What's a little hate speech from a president who vowed with all of his soul to unite this country? Remember all the way back on Inauguration Day, that very sad day? Well, today, he, um, what can you call this other than hate speech describing half the country this way? And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The MAGA movement. The Make America Great Again movement does not believe in the basic foundation of our democracy. Look, I am MAGA through and through. Ultra-democratic, extremist-democratic, if you want. We believe in the Constitution. We believe in our country. We, But to say this, that we are a threat to democracy, that's where he's going with this. It's un-American, but it never changes. The MAGA extremists across the country have made it clear where they stand. So the challenge for the rest of America, for the majority of Americans, is to make clear where we stand. Do we still believe in the Constitution? Do we believe in the basic decency and respect? The whole country should honestly ask itself, and I mean it sincerely, what it wants and understand the threats to our democracy. MAGA is a threat to democracy. Now, he goes back and forth. Sometimes he says MAGA. Sometimes he says MAGA extremist. What is a MAGA extremist? What is, what is that? I am about as MAGA as they come again. I love it. I love strong borders. I love less regulation, lower taxes. I love not getting into ridiculous foreign wars that we don't intend to win. Every now and then you've got to fight a war, but other times, like Iraq, what else? I don't think that uh, drag queens should be hanging around kids in school, right? This is not extremist stuff. This is common sense stuff. Look at what he's saying about us. And look at the great big pass he gives to the left. I believe there's no place in America, none, 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 for political violence. We have to denounce hate, not embolden it. Except if it's coming from Black Lives Matter or Antifa, right? Remember Black Lives Matter summer? It was a glorious time for the left, social and racial justice. And when these riots were breaking out all over the place, elected officials, Democrats in the highest places said... It's beautiful. I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be when people realize uh, that this is a policy that they defend. It's a horrible thing. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets. Persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please... Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Everyone beware, because they're not going to stop. It is going to they're not going to stop before Election Day in November, and they're not going to stop after Election Day. And that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels, that this isn't they're not going to let up and they should not. And we should not. Let's you see, sure you see. Up. Oh, yeah, Maxine. And if you see anybody from that cabinet yeah. All right. in a restaurant. In get in their faces, right, Maxine? Yeah. So, again, violence is fine when it's coming from the left. How, how hypocritical, right? How sad, how tragic, how dangerous is this mindset? 
Joe, with this crazy speech today, this passes for mainstream democratic thought. The Constitution, when he talks about the Constitution, though, he tries to sound very, very righteous, doesn't it, right? But it's not. The threat to our political institutions, to our Constitution itself, and the very character of our nation. Democracy is maintained by adhering to the Constitution and the march to perfecting our union by protecting and expanding rights with each successive generation. Expanding rights for each successive generation, I don't know what that actually means. We have a beautiful constitution. Every now and then we have to maybe another amendment. But look, people disagree on the constitution all the time. That's okay. We have a Supreme Court. You ever look up their decisions? <laughs> These people are brilliant. They went to all the best law schools. And sometimes they totally see the same issue, the same text, in the exact opposite fashion. Five to four decisions, six to three decisions, seven to two, five to four. They're all over the place. And that's okay. We can disagree about the Constitution, right? Joe doesn't think so. It's very authoritarian. The tone here is authoritarian. And these tall tales, if foreign leaders are really owning Joe with this silly statement, then, man, he's worse than we all thought. Everywhere I go in the world, and I've met now with over 100 heads of state of the nations of the world. Everywhere I go, they look and they ask the question, is it going to be okay? Think about this. First meeting I attended of the G7, the seven wealthiest nations in the world, in Europe, the NATO meeting. I sat down, it was in January, after being elected, the late January, early February. And it was in England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Macron looked at me and he said, Mr. President, for how long? For how long? Ooh, I've heard this story a million times. It's fear-mongering, and it's also dishonest fear-mongering. Because we looked up that little meeting he had with uh, Mr. Macron, and this is what Joe sounded like that day. And, uh, and we, I've said before, and I apologize for repeat. Oh, I didn't. I Jake Sullivan. You know, Jake is my NASA security advisor. I'm leaving out a lot of people here. I apologize. I'm going to get in trouble. But anyway, we'll get back to that. But um, uh, we, um, uh, you know, there's a lot that uh, that is, is 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 happening. Oh, man. You see those two next to him? They are so embarrassed. That's a Commerce Secretary. There's a uh, State Department uh, Secretary. What was Joe actually saying? We broke it down. Blah, 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 blah. As I said before, I apologize, O.J. Sullivan. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to be getting in trouble. But anyway, we'll get back to that. Uh, but um, uh, you, we, we know. Uh, all right. So <laughs> the story he told is a made-up one. And this might be as well. Uh, what good friends he was with John McCain. I don't really care at this point, but for him, it's a big thing. I often think about our friendship of 40 years. The hammer and tong debates we'd have in the Senate. We'd argue. We're like two brothers. We'd argue like hell. <laughs> I mean, really go out one another. Then we'd go to lunch together. No, not a joke. Or John ride home with me. I mean, that, we, we travel the world together. I just don't believe it. Two globalists having lunch together? I wonder what John McCain would say today. This Tony Blinken is now secretary. Tony Blinken, the guy who was understandably very, very uh, awkward and just obvious. You could feel the guy's pain while Joe was mumbling away. 
John McCain totally objected to this man, everything about him. He could not stand Tony Blinken, thought he was a threat to democracy. And now we are going to promote this individual to replace probably the finest diplomat I've known, Mr. Secretary Burns, who is not only is Mr. Blinken unqualified, but he is, I believe, a threat to the traditional interests and values that embody the United States of America. Tony Blinken, John McCain, a threat to the United States of America. Wow. Anyway, it would not be a complete hate speech if Joe did not bring up January 6th. Whitewash attacks of January 6th by calling the spearing and stomping of police a, leg quote, a legitimate political discourse. Do you ever think you'd hear leaders of political parties in the United States of America speak like that? Seizing power, concentrating power, attempting to abuse power, purging and packing key institutions, spewing conspiracy theories, spreading lies for profit and power to divide America in every way. This over-the-top false rhetoric again and again and again. This is like justification to persecute MAGA to really come after us, kick us off social media, throw us in jail. Who knows? He brings up January 6th. Congress brings up, Republicans bring up January 6th and don't ask these fundamental questions, right? They haven't been answered. The questions haven't even been asked. And I will ask again, who was this cop letting people on, encouraging people to enter the Capitol, right? Remember, I call this the little cop. What about those officers who were just there by the doorway as people came inside? Please. Why haven't we had sufficient answers into what looks to me like, well, welcome to the Capitol. And what about those three officers who walked off their post just before Ashley Babbitt was shot? Why did they walk away? Who ordered them? Why did they leave those doors unprotected? And how is it that Michael Byrd, the officer, could shoot and kill an unarmed woman and subsequently be lauded as a hero and actually promoted. And America's somehow fine with that. This is crazy stuff. This is un-American that these questions have not been asked or answered. Oh, and another one, the horns guy, who didn't break anything, who didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> Did you see him being escorted around by the Capitol Police? We don't have 1% of what really happened on January 6th. All right, Joe, bad speech, bad guy. Next, please. Is CNN the most trusted name in news? They still call themselves the most trusted name in news. The nerve of these people, CNN, is probably worse than it's ever been, and it's been bad for a long time. There's a person there by the name of Erin Burnett. Now, she's... I don't know if she's more dishonest or they're all as dishonest as she is, but this is an outright falsehood. What she does, the contempt that she must have for her viewers, that she would try to fool them like this. This happened last night on her show in the aftermath of that phony lawsuit against Trump and the buildings and Mar-a-Lago and their valuations. Take a look. And let's take a close look at another one of those properties that Trump refers to, 40 Wall Street, one of the most treasured jewels in Trump's crown. That property is central to the New York Attorney General's case against him. It is a building that Trump loves to tout. Just listen to him on 9-11. Let me just be clear here. 
This is on 9-11-2001, moments after the World Trade Center buildings collapsed. Here's Donald Trump. 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan. And it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest. And now it's the tallest. Just think about that for a second. If you were alive on that day, that's what he said on 9-11. As all those people died, he's talking about how his building is now the tallest. And he wasn't even right. According to the Washington Post, this building, just one block east, 70 Pine, was still taller, if you care about that specific fact. But that's the reality of Trump. That's his M.O. Say it, even if it's not true. And she wasn't done with that. She had to invite swamp lawyer Ty Cobb, remember him, uh, to jump on the dog pile. To say in all of this, Ty, one of the things that just, just to take that moment on, on 9-11, that your comment on that day would have been, uh. my building's now the tallest. I don't know. For some reason, there are still things that can break through all of this and give one pause, I hope. Um, the, but but how, is how is 9-11 about Trump? How, you know, that's just, it's just, it's just repulsive. And it's so sad. Three, almost 3,000 people laid, lost their lives. Yeah. And he's talking about his, his building and now lying about how yeah. big it is. Yeah. Wow. They call him repulsive. They call them lies that he said. They're really talking about themselves, what they have done here. So the interview where that came up about 40 Wall Street, let's provide a bit more context, okay? Here's what President Trump really said. For years, I've looked right directly at the building. I'd see the Empire State Building in the foreground and the World Trade Center in the background. And now I'm looking at absolutely nothing. It's just gone. And it's just hard to believe. There's nothing you can do when people are going to be bombing planes at your building. Now, well, I guess maybe the world is going to be changing and maybe you're going to have F-16s flying all over the city, etc. But it's a pretty tough situation. The big thing that, that you really will have to do is never forget. You just can't forget that something like this happened. One of the very sad things is going to be when you look at the skyline of New York, which has become so emblazoned in your own memory, and you look in, at the skyline of New York and you see these buildings, these two buildings, whether you love them or don't love them, they were a great part of the skyline. And then when you look at the skyline after 2001, and you're going to see a skyline without these two buildings. You're going to say, what happened? People won't believe it. This was probably worse than Pearl Harbor. Many more people are dead. And, and you know, they don't know. They have no idea. But uh, I have somebody that was down there who witnessed at least 10 people jumping out of the building from 70 and 80 stories up in the air. I mean, you probably have 25 or 30,000 is the number I've heard. But I would think would be much more than that. This country is different today. And, and it's going to be different than it ever was for many years to come. The remarks are profound, appropriate, sensitive. Look at what CNN did there, huh? And yeah, his building did come up. The reporters on Channel 9 asked him about it. Donald, uh, you have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, 40 Wall Street. Uh, did you have any damage or did you know what, what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan. And, and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest. And now it's the tallest. Was that a boast or something said in passing, an aside? 
I, how could they just play that and ignore everything else? And they went out of their lot way to say, oh, it's a lie. He's lying about the height of the building. Well, we took a look at it, and there are different ways to measure buildings. You know, do you measure them to the top of the spire, or do you measure them to the, uh, to the roof? Well, Pine Street, 70 Pine Street, has 67 stories. I do know this. 40 Wall Street has 40, I'm sorry, 72 stories. So which is taller, right? These are kind of terms of art, aren't they, a little bit? To say that he's lying or boasting, you know and I know it's not true. But these people at CNN and the fake news, they convince themselves that, I don't know, they're better than everybody else. And they have, well, they're not. I do think, though, there will always be the need, even if temporarily it's not appreciated, for a what people would say is a traditional news platform. But by that, I don't mean how it's delivered. Right. I mean how it's curated, that you want to know that this has been checked, that this is real, that this has been verified, because it's very easy to have innuendo and all kinds of rumors, right? And, but I think that, that people want the truth and that knowing what's the truth is frankly a time-consuming mm. and expensive proposition, and that's never gonna change. So I don't know how it's gonna be delivered, I don't pretend to be any, you know, have any insight on that, but I do believe in the actual product itself. So it takes some time, right? So they did a drive-by, as Rush Limbaugh would say, right? A little, they took a little clip so they could ignore everything else, right? That's not the truth. That's misinformation, disinformation. So that person's name again, Erin Burnett. She's just one of many doing this all over the place. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, you name it. And even Fox News. All right, the debate. What do we think, huh? Thumbs down, right? The debate on Fox Business Network. I've met Dana Perino two or three times in my life. Very nice person, but she's in love with the Bushes. And it's obvious she hates Trump. And this is a little bit about how she moderated. It's now obvious that if you all stay in the race, former President Donald Trump wins the nomination. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So, which one of you, on stage tonight, should be voted off the island? <laughs> Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. Fifteen <laughs> seconds, starting now. Of the people on the stage, who serious? should be? I'm oh, absolutely serious. It's like Jeopardy, right? Write down the answers. What a cheesy thing. But you see, the object is to stop Trump. So how do we all, as a team, get together and stop Trump? How do we increase our chances here? Perino, again, uh, very, very loyal to George W. Bush. That's, uh, that's her man. She made her and, uh, you know, friends for life. That's fine, but don't take it out on the rest of us. And don't moderate, two weeks ago, the Clinton Global Initiative. The, what she call it? The Clinton Globalist Initiative. Yeah, she was there. Of our organization was somebody that you are here to see, the amazing Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. That doesn't work. Sorry, you're disqualified. Wow, how about that? The Clinton Globalist Initiative. You can't do both. You can't. It doesn't make you bipartisan. It makes you, I don't know, not to be trusted. We'll be right back. Ooh, Cassidy Hutchinson. Remember the January 6th witness? 
didn't witness anything. It was just a bunch of stuff some guy named Tony told her. Yet the fake news flipped out because pretty and looked great in that white suit. Anyway, uh, like every other phony January 6th witness, guess what? She got a book deal and she's out there selling it enough by Cassidy Hutchinson. Hopefully this will be enough of her. Has to be addressed, though. And people say that she provided testimony that she really didn't provide. She didn't know or see anything herself. It was all secondhand. It was all gossip or maybe just stuff that she made up. I looked at Tony and he had said, did you effing hear what happened in The Beast? Tony proceeded to tell me. I recall Tony and I having a conversation. I had another conversation with Tony. I remember Tony mentioning knives, guns. Tony would oversee all of that. So this was somehow framed as devastating testimony to Donald Trump. She didn't actually have anything. It was all about optics, all about the way she looked. And now, well, she told her story then, a lot of fakeness in it. She's got the book now, but there's a lot of real insight that we're gaining from listening to her as she sells this book. Watch this. I still had that sense of loyalty, and I think that that's largely underscored because a lot of people in Trump's circle aren't very willing to talk about the unspoken code of loyalty and the spoken code of loyalty. But I still had that feeling, and frankly, I had that feeling of loyalty to him for a year, year and a half afterwards. Right. And I, I, I fought against that, and I, I knew it was wrong, but it was this push, this pull inside of my soul. <laughs> so she's loyal to Trump for a year and a half after January 6th, but she's, it's pushing and pulling her soul, maybe her checkbook. <clears throat> Take a look at these emails that we have uh, from her to others asking for money. I am primarily seeking financial assistance. I am not currently working. I'm in a bind financially. My aunt and uncle applied to refinance their house to loosen up some money since I don't have much immediate family, but they weren't approved. This is all after uh, Trump left the White House, okay? She's looking for a job. She's looking for money. She's looking for work. So, you know, what was really pulling on her soul? You see what's going on? And there's a whole fake news Democrat industry waiting for somebody like this that they can dress up, uh, help her with their story, and make it into something. She worked for Mark Meadows, the chief of staff. She worked for him when he was a congressman, I believe. Now, this is fishy, all right? I just, I like to hear this, and, well, it's obviously a lie. There's no way this happened. So Mark Meadows is her mentor and says, you can come work for me in the White House. What does she say to him? When I took the job with Mark, I made it clear to him that I worked for Mark Meadows as the chief of staff, not Mark Meadows as Mark Meadows. And to me, there's a distinct difference there. I worked for the office of the chief of staff, meaning that I worked for the institution and the executive branch. She didn't say that. No, she did not say that. This sounds good in a book. It makes her seem loftier somehow. Look at her back when she was, uh, you know, working back then. I don't think this is the kind of person who said that. I don't think anybody really would. It's a kind of a weird thing to say. I work for the White House, not for you. Everybody has a boss. Everybody has a boss. You don't have a boss. You work for the building. You work for a branch of government. No, you work for Mark Meadows. Um, oh, her mentor, her, another mentor, her idol now is Liz Cheney. Can you believe that? Yeah, she really looks up to Liz Cheney. Uh, I can't find anybody in the country who does, but she does.
Liz Cheney is a leader that I think everybody in this country should look to as a source of support and a guiding light. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or if you're a nonpartisan, Liz has the courage of a founding father. She has a spine of steel. All right, let's look to the people of Wyoming, huh? Uh, they had enough of Liz Cheney, okay? This is the person that everybody in America, I just, now they're putting Cassidy on this pedestal like she has something serious or substantive to say about politics. She did mention founding father. That made me think of Liz's father, Dick Cheney. Yikes. Remember this? This is a guy who brought us the Iraq War. This is also a guy who showed up uh, penniless in Washington, D.C. when he was 25 years old and uh, 40 years later, he's worth $90 million, huh? I mean, <laughs> Washington has been very, very good to the Cheneys, very, very good to Liz. She's going to get a lot of that money someday. For now, she's worth an estimated $7 million. But back to uh, the political philosopher here, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. What shall we do at this moment, this crossroads for America? When we have this divisive rhetoric, you know, whether it's Donald Trump is just bad, why is he bad? We need, we need to start educating Why do you think people. he's bad? I, I'm not trying to say that he, well, I, I do have my opinions about him, but what I'm talking about on a more broad scale, like, we need to find a way to unite this conversation. And, you know, I don't think that it's productive to only talk about the negative things that he's done. We need to talk about the dangers that he poses to our democracy. I mean. Okay, you get it, right? A united conversation. You'll talk about not only how he's bad, but how he's dangerous. United. Uh, this is what you get when you make an intern a national star. The whole damn thing is fake, just like those cops. The Capitol Hill, these guys, all right? Plenty of great cops out there, but these guys, they were playing a role, and they were rewarded as well. Uh, they each got book deals, many other book deals, many, many, a lot of money. Don't be surprised if you see this stuff on Netflix soon. And Cassidy, probably another week to 10 days of Cassidy on various talk shows. <laughs> the subject, Donald Trump is not only bad, he's dangerous. Good luck with that, Cassidy. And uh, hope you don't have to hit up your aunt and uncle for more money. Something tells me you just might with this kind of uh, track record. We'll be right back with James Comer in a little bit. I switched. I switched. I switched. I switched to Newsmax. 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 Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should too. The country has gone insane. You know, a lot of it, they say, you're very conservative. I say, no, I'm a person of common sense. It's not conservative. It's not, it's common sense. Really is, right? And Joe Biden calling it extreme MAGA extremists. It's, it is common sense. Make America great again, yeah, but common sense. Great speech last night. And here is the insanity he was referring to because, hey, has ABC News ever corrected the record with this stuff? The president has repeatedly said that you received $1.5 billion from China despite no experience and for no apparent reason. Obviously, fact checkers have said that that is not true. Look, this is literally has no basis in fact in any way. I have, have you received any money from no. non-business dealing? No. At all? Not no. one cent? Not one cent. 
<laughs> Lying comes so easy to these Bidens. Uh, for the 80th time, we have proof that they got money. Hunter, specifically, the China wire, yeah, right to Joe Biden's house in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, the House Ways and Means Committee, I think, were the first to establish that $10,000 initially in late July in 2019. And then uh, about a week or so later, $250,000 at least, at least. This is... Some of the stuff that they'll be looking at at the impeachment inquiry, okay? We're getting warmer. They brought in those uh, witnesses today. Not witnesses, but experts. Experts. What does Joe Biden say lately when he's accused? He's not frequently accused. Nobody ever even raises these questions with him. you got to go way back. But, yeah, one reporter one day had some guts and got this question in. Bribery allegation. Congresswoman Nancy May says there's damning evidence that FBI file that you sold out the country. Do you have a response to the congressional Republicans? Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, it's a bunch of malarkey. You know, Hunter was like, absolutely not true, absolutely not true. Then he's joking, where's the money? And then, no, 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 malarkey, right? They're softening. Sooner or later, there's going to be an admission and possibly a confession. We'll be back in a moment with Congressman James Comer. He's been so effective in investigating the Bidens, and the impeachment inquiry is underway. Greta Van Susteren is back. She's on Newsmax, giving you the really big stories without the spin. Watch The Record with Greta Van Susteren. She's smart, tough, and always fair. Don't miss Greta's new show. We all know what this payment's really for. It's for influence peddling and selling the Biden brand. Now, to date, we've shown that the Biden family and their companies received more than $15 million without providing any known legitimate services between 2014 and 2019. If you include the business associates and their companies, they've received over $24 million. That's a lot of cash. And uh, they just subpoenaed uh, Mr. Comer there, uh, issuing a subpoena for the bank records of James Biden and also Hunter Biden. Um, witnesses today, experts before the impeachment inquiry, which got underway today. And uh, it's high time. Congressman James Comer, Republican, chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And he was also on this impeachment inquiry. Uh, sir, welcome. Uh, very impressive work today. How do you feel about it? Well, I feel good. You know, we had two purposes today. First of all, was to uh, justify, prove the justification for impeachment inquiry. All three witnesses said that we had uh, reached the barrier uh, and surpassed the barrier for impeachment inquiry. And the second purpose was to reintroduce the evidence to our uh, friends in the mainstream media who continue to say there's no evidence. Uh, just about every questioner on our side, I have 26 Republicans on the committee, just about every single one presented some form of actual hard evidence of some type of criminality by the Bidens. It also showed the coordination and Joe's involvement in the Biden family influence peddling. So the China wire, can we talk about that for a moment? The wire that you just established came from China in late July and early August 2019. Let's put it up on the screen. I think it was $10,000 in July, $250,000 in August. You called the Biden house the, um, the beneficiary, right? The beneficiary address. Right. Technically speaking, what is a beneficiary address? The recipient? Yeah. When you do a wire, you have to put the address uh, even though the, it's wired, you have to put a physical address and you have to list the purpose of the wire, just like writing an old-fashioned check. You have to do all of that stuff, especially with a wire. Uh, and with respect to the uh, beneficiary address, 
they listed Joe Biden's house. So a quarter of a million dollar wire from a Chinese foreign national went to Joe Biden's house uh, to his son in his house. Now, when that first came out, we first released that, then uh, Hunter Biden's attorneys came up and said, well, Hunter Biden was living there. Ian Sams, who's the White House spokesman for oversight, said, well, Hunter was living there and it was because of COVID. COVID hadn't happened yet, number one. And number two, Hunter Biden was living in California at that time. But the wire was addressed to Joe Biden's house. So we catch the Bidens and their defenders in lie after lie after lie. And we continue to get more and more evidence of suspicious wires from our enemies around the world. And this hearing today, the Democrats had a lot of theatrics. They tried to pull a lot of motions to disrupt. But one thing they didn't do, they didn't say what the Bidens did to receive the $20 million. They didn't deny the fact that we said that the Bidens had 20 shell companies. They didn't deny the fact that the Bidens had been money laundering. And they didn't deny the fact that the Biden family had been influence peddling. All they would say when they weren't talking about Donald Trump or Rudy Giuliani, was that uh, you haven't proven Joe Biden received any money. <laughs> but we've proven the families received a lot of money. Joe met with all the people that sent the family money. Joe was the brand that they were selling. And we believe that that's pretty incriminating evidence against Joe Biden. Like you said, these, these motions, these technicalities. Uh, here's Jamie Raskin trying his best to stop the whole thing at one point. Take a look. And you're not having it, by the way. Your reaction's awesome. Mr. Chairman, thank you. Um, before I give my opening statement, I have a parliamentary inquiry. Uh, given that the committee has not been authorized by the full House to conduct an impeachment inquiry, am I correct in assuming that we're obligated to follow the rules of the House, including Section 370 of the Rules and Manual, which prescribe engaging in personalities towards the president? Section 370 says accusations that the president has committed a crime All or right. even that the president has done something illegal are unparliamentary. Yeah, unparliamentary. Unparliamentary. How about their, their unparliamentary behavior? Uh, it's kind of incredible. Do you sense a a little bit of a fear, a little bit of an anxiousness with them that you guys are making headway, that this stuff is real. It's not a conspiracy theory. You see it in their eyes. I know that sounds silly, but, you know, do you? And they think because the media is going along with saying there's no evidence that the American people think that. CNN's poll showed 61% of Americans. This is CNN's poll. Showed 61% of Americans believe Joe Biden was involved in his family's shady business schemes. Okay, that's even with the mainstream media trying to indoctrinate into their viewers that there's no evidence. The American people understand that the Biden families received millions and millions of dollars from our enemies around the world, and they can't say what they did to receive the money. And if they were watching this hearing today, what they saw were Democrats try to distract, obstruct, and, and deflect from the problem at hand, and the problem at hand is our commander-in-chief, our president of the United States, family has been selling him all over the world to our enemies for millions and millions mm -hmm. of dollars, and this is a threat to our national security. And that's why, uh, after today, with the witness testimony, we will continue and proceed officially with impeachment inquiry. I issued subpoenas for James Biden and Hunter Biden's personal bank records and we're going to go through those bank records because the money that we've been following went from the countries to the shell companies to the Bidens in incremental payments. Yeah. Now we've got the Biden's personal account. That's what the next objective is with the subpoenas today. And we're going to see 
what they spent that money on. And if you if you've read the laptop, and I know you have, Hunter complains to everyone about having to give his dad half his salary, having to pay for so many things. There were emails from uh, Biden's Joe Biden's bookkeeper saying, "You're going to have to pay for your dad's roof." You know, yeah. there's evidence that Hunter Biden was paying for his cell phone. So we want to see what the personal funds. That they, that they, where they received all this laundered money from the foreign nationals, what they did with the personal funds. And anybody who's like impatient and saying, well, this should have happened, like you can look back at Nixon. It was a basically a year and a half long process. And um, so you're on to something, obviously. And this could, um, I don't know, this is historic. And I appreciate your efforts. And thank you, uh, Congressman, for, for sharing um, this information with us and to be continued, okay? We're not going to stop. We're going to continue to follow the money and, and try to hold this president accountable. You're doing it the right way. Uh, thank you, sir. And we'll be right back. Biden's cruel and ridiculous electrical. Think of this. He wants electric vehicle mandates that will spell the death of the U.S. auto industry. But he's surrounded with radical left Marxists and crazy people, fascists, bad people. He's selling you out to China. He's selling you out to the environmental extremists and the radical left. People have no idea how bad this is going to be also for the environment. You can be loyal to American labor or you can be loyal to the environmental lunatics, but you can't really be loyal to both. It's President Trump in Michigan uh, in the midst of this UAW strike. Uh, what a remarkable appearance. You know, Republicans aren't known to go there, but he did. Warmly received by the president of Drake Enterprises, a manufacturing concern about an hour and a half outside of uh, Detroit. And there's Nathan Stemple, the guy in the vest. Uh, he was with President Trump for a good chunk of yesterday. And he's with us right now, Nathan Stemple, president Drake in Enterprises. Welcome to Newsmax. That was quite a day yesterday, huh? Thanks for having me, Greg. Yep, it was one hell of a day. <laughs> so, number one, what was it like? What did he ask you, and uh, how did you enjoy hanging around him, and um, what did you tell him? You know, hanging out with him and walking the plant, it was it was remarkable how in tune he was with what was going on. It was almost like he was finishing sentences, understanding different products and things like that. Um, just you know, was very adaptable to to different you know operators and things like that. It was it, it was easy, it, it, very 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 enjoyable time. Interesting. Yeah, he gets it right. He gets it. He knows yeah. he knows your language. He understands industry and he gets it. How did this come about? By the way, we know he wanted to go there, but why Drake Industries, your place? You know, we we have a pretty good story. Uh, I'm a third generation owner operator. Uh, my grandfather started the company in 52. My father grew it. Um, and I got a vision to prove that the American dream is still alive. Uh, my sister and I are pretty much running it nowadays. And um, he loved that story. Um, also, we're predominantly driveline, ice engine, um, you know, production machine components. Um, and if the EVs take over, you know, we're going to have be in a be in a pretty difficult position. So uh, those few things kind of. Um, aligned with with what his views are and, and, and what's going on in the industry. Look, you're um, you're in the middle of it. I don't think you're a union member, but I want to show you uh, President Biden showing up at that picket line for the UAW. My sense was there wasn't uh, much of a connection there between him and the people he was with and also not much of a grasp of the issue other than barking out, you know, electric this, electric that. 
Um, what are they saying? Rank and file, you know these people, they know you. What is the general true feeling um, in the UAW and beyond about Joe Biden? Well, I mean, I can't speak for the UAW. Um, I can speak for people that I talk to and tell me about, um, you know, their opinion. Um, at the end of the day, guys and girls, they want to work. They want to make their family, you know, prosperous. They want to make their lives prosperous. Um, so this whole EV thing coming on and losing 40% or more of components, you know, is just going to be detrimental to all of us. So, um, I mean, President Trump put it together perfectly. Like, we're kind of killing ourselves if we move this way. So, um, you know, if, if they if they follow you know, the, the agenda of the um, EVs, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, professional suicide. Now, this may seem like a far-fetched request, President Trump, uh, telling his, the union members to ask something of union management. And, you know, stranger things have happened, but let's hit it, please. We will stop him. Hopefully your leaders at United Auto Workers will endorse Donald Trump. Um, in the realm, I mean, I know you're not a union guy, but just from what you know, is that conceivable? Hey, anything's possible nowadays. <laughs> well, you never know. Well, listen, uh, good luck. Uh, your sister was there as well. Um, where did you leave things with the president? Keep in touch. See you at the inauguration. What, what happens next? I, I kept an open door policy. He's, he's welcome anytime. Um, you know. We're doing a lot of these um, and, you know, already today, customers um, from the industry are already reaching out saying how proud they are that we did this, how proud um, they, they their components were, were in some of the shots. Um, and really, I, the, the buzz around our network and, and our, you know, industry is, is everyone's pretty excited about this. Everyone's charged up. My employees were, were so amped today. So we're just going to keep that momentum going. Very cool. Well, Drake Enterprises. Hey, forgive me. What's your website? www.drakeent.com. Drake Ent. Yep. D-R-A-K-E-E-N-T.com. Check it out. Nathan Stemple, best to you, your employees, and your family. We so appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great night. You bet. We'll be right back. He loves the Constitution. He fights for what's right. He hates the bad guys. He's a freedom warrior. He's your freedom warrior. Watch Carl Higby every weekday on Newsmax. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow, Friday. All the best.